Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Very excited to have comedian, writer, thespian, all around incredibly thoughtful and curious person, Amanda Seals on today's episode. We talk about all of it. Honestly, I'm still processing uh, all the beautiful advice and thoughts that she has about her creative journey. The most wild story ever that I've heard of someone doing stand-up for the first time, she tells me in this episode. Uh, you have to listen to it, to believe it, to experience it, all of it. I'm still processing. Uh, we also talk about her podcast, Small Doses, which is also a book that she has uh, read through the audio version of, too. Get into all of it. She is a busy, curious uh, incredible human being and I just truly had a really wonderful time chatting with her about her artistic and creative journey her thoughts on entertainment media all of it um, especially her uh, thoughts on like being difficult you'll hear all about it I'm getting a little bit flooded in my thoughts of it so please enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Amanda Seals <laughs> Amanda, I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like you are what I have kind of gathered, like you're just professionally curious about so many things that I find it so interesting to kind of pick your brain on all of this. I'm first curious about how do you describe what it is that you do to someone that might not know you? I'm a comedian. Yeah, that's what you you go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everything I do, it's like I'm a comedian who can write. I'm a comedian who can act. I come, I'm a comedian who can produce. Um, but at the end of the day, humor is the thread through mm. everything I do. So that's just the easiest and most like succinct sure. way to sum it all up. It's like the skeleton key. For Yeah. Well, I'm, I wonder, how did comedy come into your world? Was there like a moment that you realized like this makes sense to me? Or was there a person or a thing that happened for you that just clicked? I mean, I was always funny. Like that was always just kind of like in the mix of the way that I thought about things and the way I like yeah. interact with the world. Yeah. Um, but I was in the music business and I have like independent albums. Um, and I was hosting a lot of things and I remember around like 30 ish on my, during my Saturn return, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> I was like, I was taking a turn. I, I was taking it my own turn because I had been so immersed in music yeah. uh, for like the past 10 years and I even had a different name. My name was Amanda Diva. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm so fascinated by like the evolution of like your artistic endeavors. Like you did start in music <laughs> and you started in like hosting Spoken and that's word. And yeah. So how did that, like, how did you start there? First of all. So it's funny. Cause you said like, was it a person? Like when you, when you were naming like possibilities yeah. and for me, um, music, it was literally one person. Mm. I was, I come from a like musical family, but one day I was ushering a show at the SUNY Purchase uh, Performing Arts Center. Nice. And my homeboy was like keeping me company because like you can't watch the show. So you just have to like stand outside. So my homeboy was keeping me company and we were just talking, we were just chit chatting, talking. And he was like, Have you ever thought of rapping? And I was like, I mean, no. He's like, You have a really good voice for rapping. Yeah. And I was like, okay <laughs> and literally like the next day maybe even that night I like 
started writing raps as the fourth member of the Fugees. Amazing. And I still have the rhyme book with like all the verses and everything. And, but I couldn't rhyme on beat to save my life. I could not rhyme on beat to save my life. And so I was like, um, but I was, but I, but I did realize that, you know, I, I, I've always been writing, but I never pursued I never considered myself a writer, right? Like when I was in school, like I was good at research papers. I would like write poems or whatever, but yeah. there were people I knew that were like, I am a writer. And I was like, <laughs> I am one who can move a pen, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I mean, I even like wrote my whole, my, my own book of monologues, like freshman year of high school, but like, but still <laughs> never. Small side <laughs> activities. Yeah. <laughs> Literally though, like never really put together like, oh, like this is a, a skill of yours. Mm -hmm. And so when I started writing the raps, it was like, oh, like I, I can't rhyme on beat, but I can like write like some witty, really, really witty shit. And then spoken word came into the mix because mm. I went to like, we had like a talent show. I was in the conservatory at the time uh, mm -hmm. for theater and they had like a talent show. I don't know why we're having a talent show when we're here <laughs> for theater, but whatever. Yeah. You guys have uh, already gotten into the program. We, yes. What else do you need so, to prove? <laughs> so we do this talent show and my homeboy in my class did a, a spoken word piece and I didn't know that was an option. Like oh. I didn't, I had never heard of the genre. Yeah. I didn't know that there was like, so I'm rapping, but there's no beat. <laughs> this is, this is where I live. Yeah. And so I started, um, getting on stage at school and mm. doing spoken word poems. And then uh, that summer, like of, after my sophomore year, I was doing that in the city. And then I ended up on Deaf Poetry Jam mm. on um, HBO. Hold on one second. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, sit, sit, <gasps> Jordy. So my dog just yeah. had eye surgery. <gasps> oh, no. Or good. He's, in, he's oh, in the cone of shame. Wow. The most vulnerable looking creature. Incredible. He's, but he's up to mischief right now. So don't. <laughs> like, I get it, but also, like, understand. Like, that's why I'm like, sit. Come on. Right here. Um, uh, how did you guys come into each other's lives? I rescued him. He has one eye. I rescued okay. him last. I asked him July 4th. He's a pandemic dog. Um, Beautiful. But, he had this other eye that just wasn't functioning. Uh -huh. And though we got to take it out yesterday and they were like, actually, it wasn't an eye. It was like a cyst and the eye never really grew. Whoa. So it's not like dramatic, but it is <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> it's not necessarily the normal situation, right. but so, it, it gives character. It adds it complexity. <laughs> and his name is Jordy Lafer after Jordy LaForge, the Starship Enterprise, who also had vision impairment. So <laughs> there's a thing here. Um, but no, so to answer your question, I ended mm -hmm. up, I mean, I've had this kind of path of, of like just it's kind of a, a a perfect marriage of like freedom and fearlessness. Mm, mm -hmm. I allow myself to kind of be free to go with the flow if it's leading me in a direction. And then I have to exercise a certain fear for the possibility that I could be a failure at it. Right. Mm. So it's like, you know, it felt right to go in this spoken word direction. And so I went, yeah. but I think the difference I think the difference for a lot of people is that I, I don't go into it thinking I don't want to fail. I just go into it thinking like this is something I'm going to have to work at. Mm. So it, there's a humility in there. Yeah. And that humility saves you 
from feeling the feeling of failure yeah. because you're already going into it like, you know, when I'm just going to feel my way around, I don't really know. You know, <laughs> this could be for me. This could not be for me. We don't really know. Yeah. So you're kind of, you're grounded in just explore, exploration. And, you know, just the commitment is not to like, necessarily being a star but but just doing your best I mean I mean I guess it sounds cliche but so that's how I've kind of approached everything and then eventually um you know I did the music thing for like 10 years uh and that was another thing where it was like because I I I take it you like these coincidental like twists and turns so I'll I'll keep you but it's I mean I know but you also talk about 10 years like it's a drop in the pant like that's a significant amount of your because I'm life. 40 but, but also <laughs> so now it feels like in your yeah. professional like artistic world like that's wildly significant and then to be able to kind of you know recognize what you maybe liked or the voice that you had created in that universe and then to like shift ebb and flow and move into something new is fascinating well because I think it's like I'm very honest about where I'm at and where I want to go. And mm. I think sometimes we're not as honest with ourselves as we could be about that. And it hinders us from making like the better decision. Right. So yeah. like there was a certain point in music where I just was like, you're just never going to be this. Like mm. you're never going to get to where you really think where, what you consider success, you're never going to get to because you're not even going to give up enough of you to get there. You oh. know, like I examined the music business and was like, yeah, <laughs> you not. <laughs> You ain't built for this. <laughs> but that takes a bit of like, you know, the ability to zoom out and kind of like see. Grace, what... you are so pretty. Do people tell you this? You are yeah, so pretty. Back at Jeez you. Jeez Louise. Your whole Instagram, which I, I love because it's uh, every other post is like you laying down in repose, <laughs> but having this incredibly profound You're thought right. about like the way humans exist in the world and a different way to enter into that conversation. And that's why I was like, uh, this is going to get deep because I feel like you effortlessly are curious about these things that people kind of throw away, but you're able to bring comedy into it too. That makes it feel more like relatable or understandable in some way. And because you've done Thanks. like music and you've done hosting and you've done acting and you you do comedy through all of it. I'm always curious for people that, you know, play other people, but also exist as themselves behind the scenes. Like what if there's one avenue maybe that you enjoy more or how you approach each one, if you do it differently at all, or if you're always bringing your self into all of it. Well, it's funny. I was in the conservatory of acting at SUNY Purchase mm-hmm. and then a jackass uh, lied to a professor to get me kicked out. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's like a whole other podcast. And, um, and so I ended up appealing the decision and was able to just take a year off. But then yeah. I decided to just quit the conservatory altogether and, and created my own major and finished college under my own major. But I bring that up because I remember sitting... Uh, with my knees to my chest leaned up against the studio of our acting class crying about the fact that I was like being kicked out of this program and then there was a little birdie in the back of my head that was like did you really want to spend the next year of your life doing Chekhov (laughs) now you know you didn't really want to do that you know you would much prefer to say your own words and perform in your own space. So you can cry now, but this is the best decision. Yeah. And it was like just this little voice 
in the back that was just like, I know you're upset, but I'm going to get louder eventually. And and so that was an interesting turning point, though, because up until that point, I had been very much like I'm an actor. Mm. But in that little boy speaking to me, I realized like, "Mm, you're someone who acts Mm. like you like the joy that other people get from playing other roles. You don't get. Yeah. Your joy comes from saying your own words. And that's a different thing. And that's very, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful to recognize, but also really difficult, especially when you're surrounded, I'm sure at that point, by all these other actors that were just like finding their calling and their purpose in this thing. And then you're like, I, there's something I'm resisting about this. What is this? And how can I trust that voice? It's so true. And I mean, that whole year of me trying to figure out what I was going to do. If I'm going to stay at school, if I'm going to go back to the conservatory, am I going to quit school? And just like, I mean, I, I had this big pipe dream, you know, that I was going to quit school. And I'm just going to get a job in the city and I would go to Udahagen. <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, yeah. yes, yes, just yes. New York dreams, city lights. I'm going to figure it out. And my oh. mom is, uh, my, meanwhile, my mom is in Orlando, like, Oh my God, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> and, um, but, you know, but, but in hindsight, there was always a plan at work, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, even though the plan p- pivots, and I think that's the overall kind of, if I like look at the course of my artistic journey, there's always a plan. Yeah. It's just, there's always a willing to pivot. There's always a willingness to pivot. Like I never, I never feel like I have to be married to the plan. It's not to say that I'm a quitter, but I never feel like, I guess on a basic note, it's best idea wins. Yeah. So if I'm on this, if I'm on this trajectory and there's a better idea, it's like, let's switch project trajectories. Yeah. I mean, the idea and trust it and pivoting, I think is pivotal for lack of a better word Mm. that it's truly, especially when you wear so many artistic hats that like you have to be able to recognize at what moment you should go down what avenue. And that's hard for people. I think that feel like they have to choose a lane and stay in it. Well, you know, and then as you continue to to like expand as a multi-hyphenate, right? Like yeah. you lose kind of the option of just doing one thing at a time. Yeah. And so you have to become a lot more ardent about like really creating synergy with things or else mm-hmm. you'll lose your mind. Like yeah. I know like right now I need to be writing. Like mm. I'm at a phase in my life where like I need to be writing. I have all these ideas that have been percolating here and now I have enough like business knowledge and savvy, et cetera, to yeah. be able to take the ideas, put them on paper and like put them into the marketplace. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, I'm a stand up. Yeah. I do smart, funny and black lives. Yep. I have employees. I am an actor. I'm, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. have all these other things and I have a mortgage. <laughs> You're spinning lots of plates at the same time. I'm curious about your artistic process. If you have one that you utilize over and over or if it's different for each project that you're working on like in terms of writing do you have like rituals do you sit down Mm -hmm. do you have a sacred space like do you do do you like what works for you um well one thing i just want to say before i even answer that was because your Mm -hmm. original question was like how did i find my way Mm -hmm. to calling comedy like the overhead yeah and in like when i turned like 31 I realized like, I don't want to do music anymore. What do I want to do? Like Mm -hmm. how, like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And everyone kept telling me like, you got to be the it girl and you got to like, stop. You can't keep talking about social justice and black things. And you got to like, get the, you got to get the white girls to like, you got to get the gays. Like you like, like it was like very like methodical and formulaic that people were saying. And 
what I ended up doing on a basic note was I just looked at people whose careers I admired, mm. even if I didn't necessarily like, like I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself like a Chelsea Handler fan, but I'm a fan of like what she has managed to do with her voice. Yeah. Right. And I looked at her, Ellen and Chris Rock. And I was like, you know what they all, what they all have in common is they have built multimedia moguldoms mm-hmm. based on their point of view. Mm. But there was one thing that they all did that I didn't do at the time. And it was stand up. And I was like, that's what you're missing. Wow. Because at, if without doing stand up, you're just humorous. Mm. What a sentence. That <laughs> is very true. And also it was like you were in your own escape room and you figured the key to get yourself out of it. <laughs> yes. And like, literally it was like a, boom, like, oh, you need to not only do stand up, you need to be good at it. Wow. Like it can't just be some like dalliance. You need to be good at it. And it wasn't like I like the next day was like, New York City, I'm here. <laughs> like, like, take me to the stage. Yeah. But it was like, I just kind of put it out into the open. And then a few months later, out the blue, when SNL was looking for their negress, when they were like, we don't, we need, we don't have one. We need one. Um, all these like showcases popped up. And this girl just hit me out the blue, sent me an email and was like, hey, um, we're doing a showcase. We'd love to have you headline. I've never done stand up before, but she saw me on VH1 <gasps> on Best Week Ever with all these other stand ups. Yeah. I'm on there with Nick Kroll yeah. and Mulaney and, you know, yeah. my, uh, Gerard Small and all these stand ups that are like legit stand ups. So just by nature of association, she was like, You must be a stand up too. <laughs> and I was like, I would love to do it. I can't headline. <laughs> but the people that I was on the show with, I was, li- Sashir Zameda, who ended yeah. up getting book for SNL, was on the show. It was like Sashir, Marina Franklin, Naomi Perrigan. Like, wow. I mean, my first stand-up show was amongst a, a incredible lineup of Black women comedians. Yeah. And um, I didn't bomb. That's incredible. I mean, the amount of and pressure. That was the trajectory. Yeah. I mean, to really throw you into an atmosphere where it's like sink or swim. Holy shit. And on the way there, I was switching to the L train uh-huh. from my New Yorkers. I was switching to the yeah. L train at 14th and someone had jumped in front of the train. And in true New York fashion, everyone was like, come on. Oh, God. Tonight. <laughs> and it was November 6th, 2013. And Halloween had just finished. And I'm standing on the curb. And this white girl walks up and is like, do you want to just share a fucking cab? And I was like, tote. <laughs> and so she was like straight out of girls. And so we get in the cab. And we go to Williamsburg and on the way we start talking about Halloween. And it was a year where just an a, a incredibly high number of blackface incidents had taken oh, place. God. And I was talking about it. And she was like, what's blackface? And so, but she wasn't like, she was genuinely just ignorant to not okay, knowing what okay. it was. And so I was like telling her and she was like, that's fucked up. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, it is. Oh and I got to the show and Grace everything I prepared out the window. My whole set yeah. was about that cab ride. That, how? And that's, that's how I do stand up to this day. Wow. I don't write. I don't write my jokes. Really? I do all, no, everything's on stage. So wow. if I, I craft on stage, I never sit down and write it. Wow. I mean, that's impressive. And also such a <laughs> monumentous night in so many ways. My God. So, but I just say that, like, that's kind of the, the, the part. So when you talk about process, yeah, that, um, I'm really good at listening to myself. I was going to say, it seems like you trust your instincts that you have a very good internal dialogue with yourself or a very like, um, succinct one to be able to trust 
from what it sounds like, even from back when you were in the conservatory, like this voice, whoever it is, whatever it is, kind of guiding you in a direction. I mean, process is so different for everybody. And, you know, writing is hard. Yeah. Like, because it's so completely, it requires such focus. Yeah. But then that focus is also just like, I'm tired of focusing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially because we are now like unconsciously conditioned by all these devices and all these distractions Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. the time that you have to like deprogram yourself to be able to focus solely on one thing, which is what writing commands and demands is like this linear single focus, which is so much easier said than done. You really think when you when you're not writing, you're like, "Oh, I can't wait to lesson down. Yeah, right. I'm about yeah, to yeah. focus. Oh, I'm about to nail this. Yeah. Ooh, Here wow, I go. it's it's gonna go down." And then you uh, sit down, and you're like, "I wonder. I forgot to finish watching that surfing documentary." <laughs> yeah, exactly. They had just gotten to Portugal. I need to see how this ends. You know, like exactly. you're just. So that's been. In terms of process, I'm establishing a process in terms of writing scripts because I'm in that. Uh, it's a new space yeah. for me. Um, when I wrote my book, Small Doses, I thought oh. it would take me two weeks. It took me two. It took me a year. Uh, <laughs> it, okay. I don't know. But I had no idea. I, I mean, I, I don't know why I thought it would take me two weeks. I was like, you wrote, you wrote research papers in a day. No biggie. Well, okay. Let me put a pin in that for one second so we can take a break and then come back. Because okay. I, I want to talk about Small Doses, uh, the, the podcast and the, the audio book and all of it. I'm really fascinated about your whole process with it. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Hello, listeners. Grace Helbig here wanting to say two things. A big thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you're a regular listener, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you. And uh, second thing, if you are enjoying yourself here in this not-too-deep world we've built and you'd like to leave us a review, that would be so wonderful. If you can go to the iTunes store, the App Store, and leave us a lovely little review comment. How are you feeling? Good, bad, otherwise? Maybe just good or otherwise would be appreciated. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. Okay, Amanda, let's talk small doses. Tell me how this first came about for you and the evolution of it for you. So Small Doses is my podcast. And I started my podcast uh, at the top of the year, 2018. Mm -hmm. And it it evolved as like a self-help from the hips. That's basically the branding we've given it. In the sense that, as you've mentioned, like I'm very curious about like how our mind works, Mm -hmm. how social norms work, you know, what civility really is and just kind of the interactions of, of humans and whatnot. And so, um, and just our processes in humanity, right? Like how we identify our identities, Mm -hmm. like how we, uh, carve out our boundaries, how we make our spaces, like uh, just the human process is like, it's, it's, I'm very curious about it. I mean, it's endlessly fascinating because it's constantly evolving. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about it a lot of times. And at the end of the day, the bottom line becomes like in the midst of the constant evolution and the the willy nilliness of it all, how do you remain healthy? Like Mm. mentally healthy. Yeah. So that's what small doses at its core is about. And of course, like by nature of me just being a funny person, it has a humorous tone to it. And we have guests and 
after doing it for a year, people, and I was also like talking in the same spaces on my Instagram, people were like, you know, I'd really like to have this like in writing because Mm. a lot of times it's like, I want to refer back to something you've said. And I just like, can't find it in your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So that started me on the journey to writing the book. And I took a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I took a very, I don't know why I can't think of the word, but (laughs) I just, I, I did not take an orthodox approach to this book Mm. and it was by no means basic. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I was like, I'm going to write essays. I'm going to write stories. I'm going to write blurbs. I'm going to write poems. And um, it really is a beautiful book by nature of the fact that we also put my drawings in it. Oh, cool. Um, so it's like a very, you know, I really love my my editor, Samantha Weiner at um, Abrams mm-hmm. because she really just understood me. Yeah. And everybody else we had pitched this to was like, could you just do a book of essays? And it's like, well, that's kind of what everyone does. Yeah. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was like, I would like to do something a little bit more unique because I'm like a weird bird. Yeah, but it's also, it makes it that much more intimate into you. It's like more of a fully yeah. formed kind of like brainscape of you versus like when you talk about something, it's very one lane of a person and thoughts and this seems like you get to cover a lot of bases I do yeah. i do and I, I i really get a lot of joy from doing that like i've had mm-hmm. a lot of people pitch me doing shows and they're like you know um we'd love to have you host a politics show you know we'd love to have you host a relationship show or whatever and i'm just yeah. like that sounds so <laughs> boring like, yeah yeah and i in that curiosity, like I like to talk about a number of things. And so small doses, you know, we have a chapter on womanhood. We have a chapter on race. We have a chapter on people are weird. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a chapter on careers. Um, So, you know, I get to touch on these different things that have really been a part of my experience. And eventually I'll write a part two. Um, cool. But it was a really daunting task because I had written out this table of contents and then was like, you know, you got to... <laughs> actually write it (laughs) these are the headlines you need the articles now (laughs) yeah yeah and it took it took i learned that my process in writing in that respect i need to carve out like very specific times Mm. where that's all i'm doing and then time when i'm not doing it at all Mm. that's the balance yeah so i need like a week where i'm not doing anything but this yeah 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 but then I need two weeks of not having to think about this. <laughs> of doing everything but this. Like there's hella typos in the first run of the book yeah. because I had to edit it. Like I, I'm just like, I don't want to fucking read this. I just wrote it. <laughs> I know to go back. I mean, yeah. What's your relationship with going back and looking at your own work? Do you have a like, uh, is that something you enjoy doing? It. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I do. But like I read slow, whether yeah. I wrote it or not. Same, so same. It was just like, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Why do I have to do this? You know? And I mean, I had to like, and I was on tour at the time. Oh, dang. And I had this giant manuscript and I have to be like on flights with this giant manuscript, like on like <laughs> t- the three day tray table down. And then it's like, Fud. and then, you know, and then the person's like, oh, is, that a book? Yeah. is this your book? And uh, now we're not, I'm not editing. Yeah. I'm talking to you about the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was, it, so process. So something that's interesting about process. Mm-hmm. So I was telling you that as, as a stand up, like I don't, write on I don't write jokes on paper so yeah 
you know, people keep asking me like, oh, like, when are you going to do another special? When are you going to do another special? I'm like, well, I'm not on stage. Like it's been mm, a pandemic and I yeah. just haven't, you know, for stand-up, you kind of got to be in like a stand-up mode, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just haven't been in stand-up mode. So I don't have, I mean, I can pull up, I can pull two hours out of my ass anytime, but sure. for a special, it should be special. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't have it right now. But when I was hosting the BET Awards in 2020, mm -hmm. we were in a pandemic. Yeah. And so we couldn't do the awards live. Right. So I had to do them in my house. <laughs> Which is, I'm sure, uh, just a really easy and fun experience. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was uh, madness. And... It's a huge layer of trust that what you're writing and the jokes that you're saying, because you have no ability to bounce it None. off of alive anything That's it. that you really have to believe in what you're saying and what you're doing. So I have written five one woman shows. Wow. And what I realized, because I was trying to write my monologue, yeah. my opening monologue, and like it wasn't coming yeah. because I don't write jokes. So here I am trying to like, this sounds funny. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's not. And so I caught myself and I was like, you know what? You need to write this as a one woman show, not write it as, oh, as a standup. Interesting. Because when you're writing, when I'm writing in a one woman show space, I'm writing for myself. Yeah. 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 Because the audience isn't there mm. expecting free. Like there's a different exchange between a comic mm -hmm. and their audience and a uh, thespian and their audience. Mm. And even if there is no fourth wall, even if it's one woman show space and you're speaking directly to them, they haven't come there with the expectation that you're going to tell jokes. Yeah. 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 Now they may have come with the expectation that they're going to laugh, yeah. but they haven't come there with the expectation that they're going to have to validate your comedy. Oh. And so it's a different mindset of how you write because uh, for me, at least because I'm writing from the point of performance versus from the point of setup punch. Yeah, yeah. Setup punch. And I'm not even shitting you. At the end of the day, when you look at the monologue, it's like, oh, here's setup punch. But by just changing mm. my mind state, I was able to write it without needing that. Yeah. And I was, and I wrote it in 20 minutes. Incredible. Once yeah. I had that epiphany, I wrote it in 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Just reframing what the assignment is for yourself yeah. gives you clarity. That's so interesting. Um, okay. I, I'm going to move on to the two questions I ask every single guest that is with me on the podcast. Um, the first is who alive or dead would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I would like to throw cold spaghetti <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm trying to narrow it down. Yeah, um, I, I mean, and this is, uh, it's an answer that I recognize will change constantly. It's just who in this moment comes this to mind. Moment, I would like to throw cold spaghetti at the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Very much agree. Because <laughs> I'm just like, fuck are you guys. What are we? I know Sonia's up there just like, get me out! Yeah, uh, I hate it here. She's uh, doing her best. My God. Um, okay, we don't have to go too deeply into that. Uh, the other question that I ask every single guest on the podcast is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or like a bathroom emergency situation 
But you can only use three words or like small phrases to describe the event. So for example, Mm -hmm. mine is college jogging front lawn. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, McDonald's bathroom. Oh, shit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Release. (laughs) Okay. CVS receipt. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Thank God some of those receipts are so fucking long (laughs) that you throw them in bags because you never know when you're going to need one. (laughs) Didn't know I'd need it. (laughs) Keep your receipts for uh, your taxes and for bathroom emergencies. Either keep the receipts or check first (laughs) that there is toilet paper present. Very true. Okay, now we have a section of the podcast called Deep and Hot, where I have a deep question that we have prepared for you. Um, And then also, I'm curious about your hot take on kind of like a subject or thing that we have prepared for you. So, deep question for you. Have you felt pressure to numb your intelligence? To numb my intelligence. In the... I felt pressure for myself. Really? Because... Yeah, because, um, you know, James Baldwin has a phrase that I'm paraphrasing where he basically says to be black and aware in America is to live in a constant state of rage. Mm. And I'm very black and aware in America and rage is tiring. Mm. It is exhausting. And for all intents and purposes, it's it becomes a moot point because it doesn't necessarily have any effect in the way that you want to see change. Change is very, very slow and range is rage is very, very fast. It's mm. and it's deep and it's hot. Um, so I feel like, you know, I've, I've felt pressure at times to um, just be ignorantly blissful mm. for my own sanity. Wow. And it, and then you have to, balance that with the reality of like if you don't allow yourself to know about things and you don't allow yourself to care about them and you don't allow yourself to be a part of changing them then you're really nihilistic Mm -hmm. and you should either just off yourself now um because you're like taking up air and space yeah or you know, you're just kind of a soci- you're a sociopath mm-hmm. at that point. And I'm not interested in either of those things. Yeah. So this is this is really deep. Yeah. No, the <laughs> podcast, we've been doing the podcast for seven years. We can only we've been in the shallow end for so long. It's uh I'm sick of it there. <laughs> no, it's it's a doozy, man. And yeah. it's like you really like even on Instagram, like I've had to mute certain accounts, not because I don't like them, but because it was just like, I just, I can't take a, I can't take a police brutality story today. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's hard to be creative. Yeah. Some people thrive. Some people are their best creative selves in the midst of strife, struggle, and chaos. Yeah. Um, I can't say that that's the case for myself. Hmm. I, am, I am not a Mary J. Blige in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. It is, yeah, finding what works for you or what makes the most sense to preserve certain areas of your emotional well-being and your intellect. Um, and then it's like, what are you here for? Yeah. So it's like, if it's impeding upon you doing what you're here for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a dance. It's a con- it really is. Yeah, it seems like it's a constant consideration, um, which is in of itself very exhausting too. <laughs> um, yes. With that though, okay, hot take. You posted this video that I was like, I thought so fascinating. Um, just your hot take on, on being difficult. Because I, I knew it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I thought it was and for people that haven't seen it. Can you kind of like elaborate on what you posted? Because I was like, this is a really interesting way to talk about this. So I have throughout my life been labeled difficult mm-hmm. and like went to therapy for the sole purpose of understanding like, why am I? Why do people keep saying I'm difficult? Why do people not like me? Wow. And my therapist was like, you know, we're going to get to the bottom of what are the ways that you're um, in your own way making things difficult? And then Mm. what are the ways that people are projecting their shit onto you? Yeah. And calling you difficult. Yeah. And so like we spent years, you know, Mm. literally we spent years really like getting to the bottom of like, well, what are the things that I like about myself that other people don't like? Mm. (laughs) You know, like I'm a very meticulous person. I'm very driven. I'm type A. I'm, um, I'm literal. Yeah. So if you tell me something, I, I believe it, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I will hold you to it. Right. Well, you said, yeah. And then, you know, so, and I'm. I'm, um, I'm very honest. And at, and at a, at a certain point in my life, I feel like I was honest to a fault. Mm. Um, I think people love to say like, honesty is the best policy. And it's like, correct. However, policies are written mm. different ways yeah, for yeah. different purposes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you don't always have to deliver it in a fashion that undermines the purpose of sharing it. And sometimes like, I know that I just didn't understand that science. Right. Sure. So I say all that to say that I did this video where I was like, you know, people call me difficult and they're right. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. I'm difficult to fuck over. I'm difficult to be misled. I'm difficult to lie to, um, you know, and if you are someone that is trying to do any of these things uh, and I'm going to make it difficult for you <laughs> to do that. Yeah. But it's, there's something about you like, because it, it seems like through your life, you pr- you process things like um, openly, like you very much are like there's a beautiful vulnerability. Like you say, you don't write your jokes that you get on stage and you kind of like work through stuff. And the same seems to be that like people, I think, get on guard when someone is so like, yes. you know, vulnerable in that sense and like outspoken or for lack of a better word that because there's no assumptions in that there's way. no ulterior there's no yeah. subtext yeah so the arrow is coming straight at you 
And some people, and, and, and the beauty is finding out that some people love that shit. Yeah. That's the beauty because you get tricked into thinking that because a lot of people don't like that. Yeah. That that's that, the way it should be. Yeah. Correct. And it's, it's really not the case. And I mean, I think we live in a very passive aggressive society. Yeah. Um, we live in a very narcissistic society. Oh, yeah. So like if you exist in that space, like you are very unnerving to a lot of people's way of existing. Mm-hmm. And um, and when you are unnerving to people's way of existing, they will make effort to fuck with your way of existing. Yeah, projection, so, pure projection. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, it's but but what was beautiful about that video was how many people identified with it. And what was hilarious was how many men were like, and that's why you're going to stay single. And I'm like, I Jesus, like, (laughs) shut up. I'm also not. But also like, yeah, it's just like this is not the that's not the goal. It's good to know that they're busy enough to carve (laughs) out some time to post that on your video that they seem booked and busy and doing well. (laughs) So but the the idea of the difficult thing is also because I feel like women, we put this on each other, too. Mm -hmm. It's not just some patriarchal thing. Patriarchy has the same way white supremacy has brainwashed black people. Patriarchy has some black people. Patriarchy has brainwashed some women Mm. like it and and into being our own enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have definitely had just experiences with women who are calling me difficult for simply doing the thing or saying the thing that they would like themselves to have the courage to do. That they've thought. Like it's not like yeah. what you're saying is a completely foreign, you know, idea. Concept. Yeah. No. Wow. And I mean, there are other times where I've been difficult. <laughs> So there's that. But you're like, also, there are other times where I'm just like, Man, I wanted lemonade. But you're the self-awareness to a fault is critical. <laughs> and I think there's also just this asshole shit that people act like you can't. Everyone has difficulty at some point. Like everyone is obstinate at some point. You know, like it's rare to meet the person who's just the person who's just like, yeah, man, we just go with the flow, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, man? It's like they're probably also high as shit. Yeah. You know, and like there's a so numbing- I also don't smoke or drink. So I'm always dealing with this world in a sober state of mind. Yeah. Which and is that Yeah, people that can't deal with it numb themselves in different ways. So when someone is so sober in their thoughts viewpoints and opinions about it it can be very confronting for people it's confronting for me you know (laughs) i live with this every day all day long so well what's it it's go ahead well i was going to move into because we're towards the end now but i want to know like what's next for you what's on the horizon what's coming up i am on a mission grace Mm -hmm. Um, I have been on Insecure on HBO for the past six, for the past five seasons, for the past six years. Yeah. And it, the final episode is what? December 26th, I think. Yes, it is coming up. Wow. Um, and for those who don't know, like in this business, a lot of times when you're on a show and you're at a certain level, your character is a certain level, like you can't do other work. Yeah, um, true. Yeah. Because you're under contract to that project. Mm-hmm. Um. And I will also say like when I, when I, since moving here to LA, like it's been a learning curve Mm -hmm. and just a learning process of understanding like what my value in this business is Mm -hmm. and what the value of this business is to me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
And I have finally kind of, not kind of, I have finally reached a place of clarity about what I want, what I want to do with it and where I want to go with it. And so my, I am on mission operation, undeniable. (laughs) And I I have dedicated myself for the next year to being as prolific as possible in the effort of really showing the world and myself, the undeniability of my talent, because Mm -hmm. I really genuinely feel like I have creative work to share on a bigger platform that can really be, um, that can just really be if like moving is not the word, but that helpful or helpful. Yeah. yeah. That can be impactful. Important. Yeah. That can be impactful in, in a time where I feel like we are rapidly descending Mm. towards mayhem. Yeah. Like, I just think that it is imperative that voices like mine um, are given space because the voices that are getting platforms right now, by and large, are dangerous. Yeah. And there has to be a counterculture. Hmm. That's, I mean, that sounds beautiful. And also a big old task for yourself. <laughs> but also, you know how what? can you but, not? Like, if you're called to do this, how can you possibly ignore the call? It would, you, you know what, though? I got to tell you, since I kind of like decided that, mm-hmm. it's like that book, The Alchemist, man. Yeah. Like, once you decide what you want, the universe conspires to give it to you. That's awesome. So there have been, there's just been like abundance in terms of like support and interest and spaces opening up like right before my eyes. Um, and I think there's just a, um, an excitement that I have that I haven't had in a while. This pandemic, this panini Ooh. has been a I thing. I mean, and it could have gone a different way, you know, to come out of it feeling so like rejuvenated and excited and it, you well, know. Well, it, it did. It yeah. did go a different way. I had yeah. a whole depression. <laughs> yeah. I had yeah. a pregnancy. I had a pregnancy. I had a miscarriage. I had a depression. Huh. I had a whole set of shit yeah. that I had to like, you know, Navigate, carve my yeah. way through. Yeah. And then, um, Luckily, to your point, like when I got to the other side of that, there was this clarity that said like, because I was like, I'm going to quit. I'm done with this. I hate everybody here. Yeah. I hate everybody here. I'm going to eat lunch (laughs) in the library from now on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just over it. And um, my dude was like, are you sure? Mm. And I was like, yes, yes, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) And, but he was like, I just feel like you've worked so hard to get to like this point Mm -hmm. that it would just be a disservice to yourself to just bow out and that's a good person that's a good person that can see all of you yeah he could see it and he and i was just like i mean whatever like you don't know me yeah um (laughs) but i desperately want to hear all of this because you do know me (laughs) And so for all intents and purposes, I figured it out. And I just, I'm, I'm, and, and, you know, we started this podcast with you talking about like my curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm just always trying to figure out like, what is the next space of like 
happiness and elevation that I can like, like shimmy into. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got a body wave through the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I always, I try, like, I'll be like, like a series of whackness will happen. And then I'll be like, oh, you're in the midst of a two weeks of whackness. Mm. And it's like my body, like my mind just decides you've got one more week of whackness and that's it. And then you will come to the other side. But that <laughs> is, yeah, these like death rebirth cycles that happen like creatively, spiritually, all of it are to be able to hold that recognition of like, this is not permanent. This is temporary. Yeah. And that there is, the reason this is so bad is because good has to happen to be able to understand things getting bad. Um, that's beautiful. I hope you write more self-help books in some capacity because I feel like I learned a fuck ton. Um, Thank you. <laughs> of course. Uh, before we wrap up completely, we like to give a little token of our appreciation for um, being a guest. And that is a personalized horoscope oh, from us to <laughs> you that Melissa will put okay. in the chat um, when she does. If you could read it out loud to the class. I think we got your birthday correct. <laughs> Dear Cancer. Crab of the stars. <laughs> Mars and Scorpio forms a sextile mm. with Pluto and Capricorn earlier this week, provided the perfect opportunity for a romantic date. Mm. If you missed it, well, fuck. Maybe next year. There we go. I actually did go on a date this week. Well, there you go. It's in the stars. They predicted it. It was in the goddamn <laughs> stars. The stars predicted it, and I am tapped in. Hell yeah. And thus, um, Amanda, where can people find everything that you're up to if they don't know the podcast, the book, all of it? Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Amanda Seals. You can go to smartfunnyandblack.com. And that's where our that's basically our source hub for everything. You can subscribe to our Patreon, yeah. which is patreon.com backslash smartfunnyandblack. And you can listen to my podcast, Small Doses, wherever pods are casted. And Small Doses, the book is available now in paperback. Yeah. And you read the audio book, right? Yes, and I, there, there's thank you, Grace. There's an audible as well. There's an audio book that I read. Um, and by the way, I had throat surgery last year on my vocal cords. So when you hear the audio book, I sound like I. It's a it's a character. It's your it's reading character. character. Yeah. I sound like I've had a really rough life. And um, amazing, it adds. Figure it out. I love that. So, but thank you guys so much. This has been fantastic. Thank you, Amanda. Really Go it. get into everything that she's up to and also get ready for the future because you got big plans. I can't wait. I'm so excited. This is so lovely. Thank you so much for your time. Super appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus, post-production sound by Chris Henry, and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>